From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker and editor of the CQ Budget Newsletter. And joining me today is Jennifer Schutt, who covers the appropriations process for CQ. Thanks for being here again, Jen. Thanks for having me. So the House is now in recess for five weeks, but the Senate is staying in town for most of the coming month, we think, to pass more spending bills for the coming fiscal year. And they want to pass a big spending package of four bills this week, if all goes according to plan. So, Jen, remind us what's in this package. So last week, the Senate began debating this four-bill package that includes the Agriculture, Financial Services, Interior Environment, and Transportation HUD spending bills. Those total roughly about $154 billion in discretionary spending for fiscal 2019, which will begin on October 1st. Because they are Senate appropriations bills, they are bipartisan in nature. They don't include any of what either party would consider poison pill riders or anything that could bog them down in conference committee. The so they have pretty broad support. Correct. Okay. But the package is still taking a little longer to pass than Senate leaders had hoped. What seems to be some of the snags? So there are just a lot of amendments that have been proposed. I think we're at roughly 200 amendments right now on this four-bill spending package. So leaders from both parties have to sift through those, talk to the members who propose those amendments, and figure out who really needs to get floor votes on their amendments. One of the two issues that we're tracking pretty closely is Senator Patrick Leahy, Democrat of Vermont, the vice chairman of the Senate Appropriations Committee, he has proposed an amendment that would add $250 million for the states to get additional election security funding, things to prevent hacking and other things like that. Republicans. This has been in response to the Russian meddling in elections and the whole concern about the upcoming races being subject to the same thing. Correct. Republicans are not particularly supportive of that at this point in time. There's a few different arguments why certain lawmakers don't support this provision. But one of them is just that general disagreement that we can get between Republicans and Democrats about what role the federal government has. Several of the Republicans I've spoken with have said that it's the state's responsibility to shore up their elections systems. The state should be spending this money, not the federal government. And of course, there was $380 million in the fiscal 2018 omnibus that passed back in March. I believe all the states have requested all of that money plus additional money. So right now they're trying to determine which states get which funding heading into the 28 midterm elections. And Republicans have been pretty resistant to this, right? And they fought it in the House. Correct. So this is a big partisan battle shaping up. And then there's another snag in this package too, right? Right. Senator Richard Burr is a very vocal supporter of the Land and Water Conservation Fund. That's the North Carolina Republicans. Yes. He wants there to be a permanent reauthorization for the program. And he and some other senators, um, including Courtney, Corey Gardner and Jean Shaheen, have proposed an amendment to this package that would permanently reauthorize the Land and Water Conservation Fund. But we don't yet know whether or not they'll hold up final approval votes over this amendment or if they're sort of setting up a process later in the year yeah, to we try say, to get permanent reauthorization. We should say this is a program that has the government use some energy royalties to buy land to safeguard it and create parks and recreational uses. Right. It's There's, there's fees on drilling in the offshore drilling in the Outer Continental Shelf. It's roughly $900 million a year, I believe, that's supposed to go to preserving 
uh, wilderness areas, national parks, areas around waterways, things like that. But it's controversial. Some Republicans are troubled by this thing. They think that it's too much federal control over lands and it could buy more land. So there's been resistance to this to this reauthorization or they want the program run differently. Um, but Burr seems pretty adamant, right? Yeah, I mean, there is some resistance from within the Republican Party, but there's also broad bipartisan support for the land and water conservation right, program. Right. So that's still hanging over the package, too. And even if this package gets passed this week, it's still a long way from becoming law as the October 1st, October 1 start of the new fiscal year approaches. So where do things with this package really stand, even if, if the Senate manages to pass it? Well, there's there's ongoing talks about getting the 12, their final spending levels for each of the 12 spending bills, those final 302Bs. Leadership in the House and Senate is trying to work that out right now. And until you get that number, you can't really complete conferencing on any of the 12 bills, regardless of which chamber has passed them. But one of the important things to remember is that when the House sent this package over to the Senate, it was a two-bill package. It only included financial services and interior environment. The Senate added on agriculture and transportation HUD. The House has not yet passed those two spending bills. When the House comes back in September, this could easily be one of the first items on their September agenda. And they could vote to conference those bills with the Senate and get the four corners in a room right away working on this legislation. But there is a decent amount of conservative resistance to the transportation HUD bill in the House. That bill is also not broadly supported by Democrats in the House, which could signal some vote problems if they bring it to the floor. So half of this package hasn't even come to the House yet for passage, and you're saying it's going to be a tough road maybe to get those even past the House before this can even go to a conference. Correct. And if the Senate does pass this, what's next on their plate? It sounds like they want to tackle the two biggest annual spending bills of the year pretty fast. Yeah, there's been talk for several weeks now of combining the Defense Appropriations Bill and the Labor HHS Education Appropriations Bill in one package for one final vote in the Senate. This would be a behemoth in terms of spending. I think it would be somewhere around the $850 billion mark. And one of the really important things to remember is that for legislation in the Senate to pass, it needs bipartisan support. And the defense bill, while it's a big priority for both parties, it is sort of the darling of the Republican Party. They really want this bill enacted before the new fiscal year begins. The labor HHS education bill is sort of the same thing for Democrats. It's one of the bills that has a lot of their priorities in it. And so pairing those is just a really sort of smart thing to do from a bipartisan standpoint if you actually want to get these bills enacted into law. But if the Senate succeeds at passing that in coming weeks, it will have passed nine of the 12 annual spending bills, which would be pretty solid progress and more than the House may have done by then. And Jen, you've written about this this week. What, what do you think explains the, the relatively speedy pace in the Senate this year? I think there's a whole lot of things happening in the Senate. Of course, you have to start with the fiscal 2018 omnibus. That process frustrated a lot of members of Congress. There was a lot of closed-door negotiations, I believe, from the time the bill was released to the time the bill passed Congress and was enacted into law was less than three days. 
That caused a lot of frustration. And that frustration, particularly from conservative Republicans, was communicated to President Donald Trump. And when he signed that fiscal 2018 omnibus into law, he made a very public promise that he would never sign a 12-bill omnibus again. So that sort of started things along the road to trying to pass these bills in smaller, slightly more digestible chunks for Congress to look at. There's also some other legislative items that are going to come to the forefront in February. There is, of course, the Supreme Court nominee battle in the Senate. We know that the Supreme Court begins its session the first Monday in October. And there have been a lot of talking points uh, from Senate Republican leadership, including Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, Republican of Kentucky, that they would like the nominee, Brett Kavanaugh, on the bench for that, which means a lot of things could be moving on his nomination in September. Yeah, and so, the Supreme Court fight's quickly going to overtake everything else. Yes. And so I think one of the things there is that if you move these bills in August and you get them into conference, that just takes a lot of the drama out of getting some of the bills enacted before the end of the fiscal year on September 30th and then getting some type of continuing resolution or stopgap spending bill for the bills that are not enacted into law in time. It might make things a little less dramatic. Okay, but there's still the challenge, too, of these partisan bills coming out of the House that have to get reconciled with these bipartisan bills in the Senate. Yeah, and I was speaking with a lot of appropriators last week on both sides of the aisle in both chambers. The House is gone for a five-week August recess, but everyone I spoke with over there said they plan to be in constant communication with their staff. They plan to be on the phone with their respective leaders of their subcommittees or the full committee or leadership, it sounds like there is a lot of momentum and a lot of hope, even though the House is on the campaign trail and there is a lot of focus in the Republican Party of defending their majority in the House. It sounds like they're still taking this process very seriously and they want to get some of these spending bills enacted into law, even though midterm election season is going to start taking up a predominant amount of everyone's attention as we get closer to the November elections. Great. Okay. So it's shaping up to be an unusually busy August in the Senate as it tries to make more more headway, and CQ will be covering it all for you. My thanks again to Jennifer Schutt, our busy appropriations reporter, for joining me. Thanks, Jen. Thanks for having me. And thank you all for listening. I'm David Lerman, your CQ budget tracker. We'll be back next week. Until then, you can stay up to date by reading your daily CQ budget newsletter. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or NPR One. And for more budget news, you can subscribe to CQ.com or visit RollCall.com. Or find us on Twitter. The handle is at CQNow or at RollCall. See you next week.